This morning, we're so glad that you're here. Just stand with us as we sing. This is an old, 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 old song. I woke up this morning with my mind stayed on Jesus. Stayed on Jesus. We're focused on Jesus. That should be what we wake up, and that's what we're thinking about, right? Not what's on Facebook, not what's on Fox News or another news channel, but focused on Jesus. Well, I woke up this morning with my mind and stayed on Jesus. I woke up this morning with my mind and stayed on the Lord. I woke up this morning with my mind and stayed on Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm singing and praying. I'm singing and praying with my mind and stayed on Jesus. I'm singing and praying with my mind and stayed on the Lord. I'm singing and praying with my mind and stayed on Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You can't hate your neighbor. You can't hate your neighbor in your mind If it's on Jesus If it's stayed on Jesus Oh, you can't hate your neighbor in your mind If it's stayed on the Lord You can't hate your neighbor in your mind If it's stayed on Jesus Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah Hallelujah. Everybody has trials and temptation. Everybody knows heartbreak, isolation. Forever and ever, this heart is my home. And forever 
Everybody take a moment and turn around, shake somebody's hand and tell them you have a friend in Jesus. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, in our 8.30 prayer time this morning, Charlie Bechtel was relating a story uh, that he had heard just on a missions trip last week down in was Louisiana. And uh, there was a, a Congress member there, a U.S. Congress member there, was saying about how much the power of darkness has overcome members of Congress and how hard it is to get anything of decent legislation passed. They can't even start to work on it. So my request is that you pray for our national leaders, especially Congress, that the power of darkness would be stayed. But that being said, the whole thing comes down to focusing on Jesus, like Pastor Tony has mentioned, but also the fact that people need the Lord. Every day they pass me by 
I can see it in their eye. Empty people filled with care, headed who knows where. On they go through private pain, living fear to fear. Laughter hides the silent cry, only Jesus hears. People need the Lord. People need the Lord. At the end of broken dreams, He's the open door. People need the Steve for that reminder. We do appreciate that. God is not willing that any should perish, the Bible tells us. The Gideons is a ministry in which we um, certainly uh, thank God for. It's a ministry in which we're able to, or they're able to send Bibles and uh, present them to different people throughout the world. 
We have a man with us this morning who is going to come and give us a, an update, a report. His name is Tom Ferentz. Uh, now, as you all know, we don't collect an offering by passing a plate, uh, but there is a white church out in the foyer, and if you care to support this ministry, please uh, take advantage of that. Uh, there's also a display, a Gideon's display out in the foyer as well, if you care to uh, take a look at that. Uh, before he comes, I believe we have a testimony by way of video. I got involved in drugs while I was in dental school, thinking that I could do both, be a graduate student by day and doing drugs and partying. Well, this whole time, my parents, they had been a Christian for several years now and just had really grown in their faith. My parents knew the only way they would be able to see me since I wanted nothing to do with them. They actually flew down to Atlanta one time, and after the second day, I kicked them out. But my dad, he wanted to give me something, and it was his very first Bible, and he left it on my kitchen counter. But as soon as they left, I took his Bible, and I threw it in the trash can. My mom prayed that God would do whatever it takes to bring this prodigal son to the Father. Well, this miracle, this answer to prayer came one day with a bang on my door, I opened up my door and on my front doorstep were 12 federal drug enforcement agents, Atlanta police, and two big German shepherd dogs. I just received a large shipment of drugs and they confiscated all my money and my drugs and I was charged with a street value equivalent of 9.1 tons of marijuana. I was walking around the cell block and I passed by this garbage can and as I looked at that garbage can, I felt like I was looking at my own life. And I was about to pass by that garbage can but something on top of the trash caught my eye. I bent over and I picked it up and it was a Gideon's New Testament. I took that New Testament back to my cell and for the very first time, I opened up that New Testament and I read through the entire Gospel of Mark. And as I know today, what we have in our Bibles is not just ink on paper, but what we have in our Bibles is the very breath of God and it's living and powerful and sharper than any double-edged sword. And as I began to read God's word, it began to penetrate me and it began to cut through my stubborn, hard heart. He revealed his plan for my life and he called me full-time ministry while I was in prison. So the greatest miracle of this whole story is that actually Moody accepted me. I was released from prison in July of 2001 and I started the very next month. I'm teaching now back at Moody in the Bible department. So I tell people I went from prisoner to professor. Only God can do that. Pathways of life. Pastor Bob said we distribute God's word. Pastor Bob, it is we, the churches, that distribute God's word. We, the Gideons, are an arm of the church, and we cannot distribute God's word without you. The pathway of life where... Christopher Young found a little testament was a garbage can. We don't always head toward garbage cans for distributing God's word. We distribute God's word in hotels, and many of you have seen God's word in hotels, and a Bible in a hotel has the potential of reaching, believe it or not, over 2,000 individuals who might use that room over the course of a couple years, which is the life of that Bible in the hotel room until it needs to be replaced. You, how would you have liked to have been the individual who would have 
place that testament in the hand of someone in that prison and then know that Christopher picked it out of a garbage can. I've been on school distributions in the town of Erie on a rainy day just like today. Water puddles in the parking lot. Students would take a copy of God's word as it was offered to them. But I've seen them discard them in the middle of the parking lot in a puddle of water. I've seen another student follow after and pick up a copy of God's word and say thank you for being here. The banner in the foyer depicts really what you and we do together. If you saw the pictures of the outstretched students' hands in a foreign country receiving God's word, you have helped to do that by your support of the Gideon International, distributing God's word in over 200 countries for over 100 years. Not only in schools, not only in prisons, not only in hotels, but in doctor's offices, lawyer's offices, cruise ships too. Wherever people travel, the Gideons have been able to, by God's grace, we have been able to place God's word into those avenues of life so that they might fall into the hands of someone like Christopher Young, who was looking for something in his life, he found it in the true and living word of God. You might ask this morning, what can I do to help distribute God's word around the world in those 200 countries and China? We deliver Bibles to China, to the registered churches in China with the blessing of the Chinese government, believe that or not, in a country that is basically closed to God's word, yet we have the privilege of sharing God's word in certain places in China. You keep praying. That's the first thing you can do for the Gideon ministry. We believe that our ministry can do nothing without the prayers of the saints. It is because of the prayers of the saints, the churches, the congregations, that we partner with anywhere so we can take God's word everywhere. We need you to pray Pray that God will continue to open doors, open hearts, and open hands to receive God's word. Another way that you can participate in taking God's word around the world, every believer, every, every, uh, every Gideon and the auxiliary who are our wives are members of a Bible-believing church. There are Gideons and auxiliary, faithful members of the Gideons in this congregation this morning. And you can come alongside of them and walk with them in distributing God's word. If you have a heart to be, invite, to be involved in a ministry, there's no greater ministry than sharing God's word. And every one of God's people should be telling someone about the world. Can you offer someone a copy of God's word if you can? You just might be a part of the Gideon ministry. Can I give you a gift? It's the simplest thing that you can say to a school student, a college student, to a stranger down and out on the street, to someone in a jail. You can pray for us. You could consider praying that God would direct you to come alongside the Gideons 
and be a member of the Gideon International, a force of nearly 300,000 people in 200 countries, plus distributing God's word. It's amazing what God has done in these 100 plus years. Third thing you can do, as your pastor indicated, you can share financially. Do you know that for a dollar and 25 cents, a copy of God's word can go from a little handful of paper pulp, like the paper mill in Spring Grove in my hometown, to a printed copy of God's word shipped everywhere around the world in over 200 countries, a dollar and a quarter. You can't even get a cup of coffee for that this morning, brothers and sisters. Five dollars, a gift of five dollars puts a Bible in a hotel room, and we talked about the potential there. You can give a gift and share in thanking God's word around the world. You have in the foyer your congregation uh, a list of, or a, a display of cards. They're called Gideon Bible cards. These cards are free, and, and uh, to the ladies in this church, I ask you to listen up. You're the ones that send the cards and, and the memory cards and the recognition cards. Ladies, these cards are free. You take them, Charlie will replace them. He'll keep, the, he'll keep the display full. But these cards, by using this card, you can give a donation. You can do it by picking a card out of the rack. You can go online to um, a website, and you can do it electronically. You don't even have to write out a card. It'll be done for you. And someone will receive a gift of a card and know that a Bible has been sent forth in recognition for them. Pastor Bob and Pastor Tony, thank you for allowing us to come and share briefly how you can help to distribute God's word around the world. And I will say that we are grateful for that. The life book. When you look at that, that brochure, that panel out there in the, in the foyer, you're going to see students' hands outreached to receive God's word. That's not always the case. But in our land of America, where God's word has been pulled out of the schools and where we sometimes are not allowed to distribute God's word, the life book, which is the message of salvation, which is free to our churches, to our youth, and it's a, a tool that our youth take with them in schools and can share God's word in the hallways of our schools where we can't go. The life book is a ministry that is free to this church for you, and I see a lot of potential, a lot of young people in this congregation who could be using these tools and taking God's word where we can't go. God bless you, and may you continue to see a need. As our brother just sang, people need the Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. We appreciate that. If you have your prayer sheet, I'll um, refer you to it. Um, please keep Sue Miller in your prayer. She came hobbling in on crutches uh, this morning. Uh, she had fallen on some ice and uh, broke her fibula behind the knee. Um, she's going to be having an MRI to see whether there's um, some ligament damage. Uh, so do pray for Sue uh, as um, she is... At the, uh, going through this difficult time. Also good to see uh, Nancy uh, right down front. Always good to see you, Nancy. Continue to pray for her and the therapy at home. I know there were a few glitches with that this past week, but uh, we need to pray that all of that 
um, works itself out. Also, I just learned this morning that the um, son of Paul and Marie Miller, uh, Dylan, uh, he has sepsis. And um, it started in his ankle, and he's in the Hershey uh, Medical Center uh, now as we speak. And um, I think they have it uh, under control, but I think it was pretty touch and go there for a while. Uh, I think most of us know Dylan and that family, so keep, uh, keep Dylan in your prayers. So, Father, now as we come before you, we are thankful that uh, you are a God who changes lives. You're a God who is able to take the Word of God and bring about transformation. Father, we thank you that you have brought your Word to us. And Father, we stand before you as your children because we have put our faith and trust in Jesus and Jesus alone. And Father, we know that we are a part of God's family because we have done that. We thank you, Lord, for the Gideons who distribute your word. We thank you, Lord, for your word that is placed in the schools and the prisons and colleges. Father, take these, the scriptures, and put them in the right places and have those people who need the Lord pick them up and read them. For Father, we know it's through your word that conversions take place, that salvation takes place. Father, we thank you again for Nancy and Sue who are able to be here with us. We pray for their healing, that you, Lord, might work in a special way in their lives. We think of Dylan, Lord, now as he is in the hospital. Lord, this sepsis is a uh, very uh, difficult thing, but we're thankful that he was able to get there on time, uh, that he got on these strong antibiotics, and that, Father, he's, he's doing well. And so we, we thank you for that. Father, we pray now for the continuation of this service. Lord, this is your place. This is your house. Father, we have come into these walls to worship you in spirit and in truth. And ask now that you would move us by your spirit into your very presence. For, Father, you deserve our honor and our glory. You are so worthy. Father, we love you this morning. And pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As Pastor Bob mentioned, we are a family, and, and we're going to sing the chorus before we uh, sing another song here of Family of God. Do you remember that song, the Gaither song? I'm so glad I'm a part of the family.
you stand with us? We sing, I raise a hallelujah, even when I'm not sure what's going on. Even when I'm surrounded by my enemies, I raise a hallelujah. I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I raise a hallelujah louder than the unbelief. I raise a hallelujah. My weapon is a melody. I raise a to fight for me I'm gonna sing in the middle of the storm louder and louder you're gonna hear my praises roar and out from the ashes and hope will arise death is defeated our King is alive Hallelujah. With everything inside of me, with everything inside of me, I raise a hallelujah, and I will wash the darkness clean. I raise a when I don't know what's going on in the middle of the mystery.
faced with those circumstances, those reasons, we're not sure why they happened, all right? And, and sometimes even when we think we know why it happened, we're actually completely wrong and God has a completely different purpose in store. Our job isn't necessarily to ask the why, it's to say glory in every situation. Because our God is the God of wonders. Your tabernacle, 
at those guys going out. There's tons of them. Let's give them a hand. Aren't we so encouraged to have all these kids? Man, it's great when the line keeps going and going and going and going. Praise the Lord. Today we're going to continue our sermon series in the book of James. Um, but, but before that, can we take time? If you can't tell, I'm a little sick, so my voice is going to squeak, right? Especially when I get excited. I get excited, so every squeak is excitement, right? <laughs> every squeak is excitement. But if you're a Gideon this morning, would you stand up? Would you stand up? We'd like to thank you and, and thank the Lord for the ministry that you're doing. Let's, let's hear it for these men and women. The, the auxiliary, please, as well. Auxiliary, please stand up as well. You may be seated. Thank you. You know, you know the truth is, there are videos like this, and, and it's encouraging, but, but I'm sure a lot of the time you put in hours and hours of, of giving out testaments, um, and it's all worth it when you hear one story like this. And so we praise the Lord for you. Praise the Lord for your faithfulness and what you continue to do. There it is. True or false? You know, as we continue to look in the book of James, James continues to give us this idea that we need to actually live out our faith. Right? That you actually put into practice what you hear on Sunday morning or Sunday night, or throughout the week as you listen to a message. Over the past couple weeks, we've looked at different things, trials and temptations. We've looked at what it means to live out your faith. And last week, we looked at taming your tongue, taming your tongue. But today, we're going to talk about something different. We're going to talk about heavenly wisdom and earthly wisdom. What's the difference? One commentator that I like to use, he calls it true wisdom, True wisdom and false wisdom. You cannot get more polar opposite than true wisdom and false wisdom. And, and that's what we're going to look at this morning. You know, oftentimes Christians will try and walk the line between living in the flesh and living in the spirit. Right? Do you know what I mean by that? Walk the line between doing what God tells you to do and also living the world. And you walk, you walk this line trying to do this balancing act. There is no line between true and false. They are complete opposites. And as we look at these, as we look at these, you either have true wisdom or false wisdom. True wisdom is going to take a swig of water. Otherwise, I'd be squeaking the whole time. You know, one of the things I love about James is he's so blunt, right? Isn't that refreshing? We, we love that. When people tell you as it is. We love it and we hate it at the same time. When people just call it as it is. You might have to switch for me, John. I don't think it's switching back, switching up here. Thank you. Would you stand with me and read this together as we read the first uh, six verses here in James chapter 3, verse 13 to 18. Let's read it together. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist... There will be disorder and every vile practice. 
But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, we thank you so much for the opportunity we have to read your word. Father, we don't have to sneak our Bibles into church. Father, we can carry them around. Father, we don't have to be afraid of someone breaking down our doors. Lord, we thank you that we live in this country where we have these freedoms, and may we use them to the utmost um, possibility that we can. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Wisdom. You know, the Bible talks a lot about wisdom, right? It talks a lot about fools, and it talks a lot about wisdom. And, and as I was looking at some different verses from the Old Testament through the New Testament, there was this one verse that really stood out to me. And uh, Proverbs 3, John, can you switch that for me, please? I'm not sure. if Maybe the battery's dead here. Proverbs 3, 7. And this is kind of, I view this almost as an umbrella over what we're going to be talking about today. Here's what it says. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Now, now let me read it one more time. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. James opens up this part of chapter 3 with a question. With a question. And here's what he says. He says, who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Now, who is wise and understanding among us this morning? You know, if I asked that question, maybe you wouldn't raise your hand. But, you know, the the truth is this, that sometimes we come to church with a Sunday morning face on. You know what I'm talking about? I'm sure you do. We get ready in the morning, and we put on a mask. Pastor Bob talked about it a little bit last week. With the same tongue that we praise God with, we curse men when we leave. Sunday morning face. Everything's great. You're cussing in the car on the way to church, but you get in the church, and you are very friendly to everybody. Sunday morning face. But see, this morning, you know, when Pastor Bob comes up and speaks, and when I speak, we're not speaking to your Sunday morning face. No. We're speaking to your Monday morning face when you have to go back into work and somebody cuts you off on the street. Your Friday night face, your early Saturday morning face. So we have to understand something this morning as we look at what James says here. Life is messy. Amen? Life is messy. You know, there was a a, a movie made a long time ago called Frosty the Snowman. Do you remember that cartoon? I remember watching it growing up. I don't know. You're, you're, some of you were saying it wasn't that long ago. It was a while ago. It was a while ago. But there was a character in Frosty the Snowman, and his name was Professor Hinkle. Anybody know who Professor Hinkle is? Who watched it this Christmas? Anybody watch Frosty the Snowman this Christmas? Good job, John. Good job. Keep it, keep it going. Keep it going. I, I don't think the new Christmas movies are as good as the old ones, right? especially all the Hallmark ones. It's one after another after another. I'm sure all the men agree with that. I mean, Frosty the Snowman over a Hallmark Christmas movie any day. But there was someone by the name of Professor Hinkle. Professor Hinkle was the magician. 
He was the magician. And he comes in, he's, they say he's the worst magician in the world. And he has eggs in his hat, and he's trying to do everything, and the eggs fall out when they hit the ground. And he grabs his handkerchief, and he goes over to the eggs, and what does he say? What? You got Messy, messy, messy. Right? And, and you probably remember that. Messy, messy. And the truth is this. Life is messy, messy, messy. If you've ever read your Bible, you know that life is messy. But what we have to do is realize it, accept it, and ask God to speak through the messiness to our hearts today that we can grasp what true wisdom is. And and if I said this morning, who among you is wise? Some of you in your minds right now, you're saying, that's not me. I made some really poor decisions recently. I do not consider myself to be a wise person. And some of you are thinking, well, you know what? I, I, I've been around a while, and man, I, I really feel like the Lord has taught me a lot. And, and yes, I would say that I'm wise. Well, James says this. If you say you're wise, people should know that. By your works your good conduct, and the meekness of wisdom. James said people should know that. They should know it by your good conduct, by your behavior, by your actions, by your works. People should know that you are wise and understanding by the way you live your life. You know, the perfect example of heavenly wisdom is, of course, Jesus Christ himself. I need to switch it again, John. Sorry, I keep, this is a habit. I need to put this away. Who says in Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. The wise person, the truly wise person is humble, and we'll look at that in a little bit. But as James continues down, he almost waves a, waves a red flag. Have you ever heard of that before, red flags? I remember talking with someone, and they told me this. They said, Tony, there were so many red flags before we got married, and my family told me, listen, watch out, watch out, look at all these red flags, and we got married anyways. How does that usually turn out? You know you shouldn't make a certain financial decision. There's certain red flags that happen, but you don't listen, and you make it anyways. How does that usually turn out? And James waves some red flags here. He says this in verse 14, but if you have bitter jealousy, selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. He presents us with two different people, the man of true wisdom and the man of false wisdom, polar opposites. There's nothing similar about them. One is godly wisdom, heavenly wisdom, One is wisdom that is earthly, unspiritual, and he even uses the word demonic. Demonic. He says, this is not the wisdom that comes down from above, verse 15, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. If you notice those three words, they get progressively worse, right? Earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. Uh, July 6, 2011, there was a hiker who was attacked by a female grizzly bear near the Watsapee Lake Trail in Yellowstone National Park. He and his wife were visiting the park, as hundreds of thousands of people do every year. 
Apparently, they surprised a mother grizzly bear and her cubs. The bear attacked and fatally wounded the man. Though the man did not intend to harm the bear or the cubs, she did not know and responded according to her nature is a statement that was put out by the National Park Service with fatal results. The bear was protecting her cubs. You know, we had cubs a couple weeks ago down in Halifax. Do you guys remember that? You remember that? There were some cubs up in a tree. Anybody see? And people are up taking pictures, right? Like, like this. And I was thinking, if the mother comes, watch out. And it's not going to be the bear's fault, right? It's not going to be the bear's fault. It's the people that have gotten close to the cubs taking pictures. And if that was you, <laughs> true wisdom, false wisdom, right? Let's be careful. But here's what the Bible says, Proverbs 17, 12. It's better to meet a bear robbed of her cubs than a fool bent on folly. See, I consider false wisdom to be absolute foolishness. Absolute foolishness. The man with false wisdom is all about me. It's about my best interests, my passions, my desires. You become selfish to advance your own interests. Everything revolves around that. James says that the unwise man shouldn't brag about what they've succeeded in in life. Why? Because true wisdom is humble, not proud. He gives us three words, earthly, unspiritual, demonic. Earthly meaning that the wisdom is not from God. Unspiritual that it is part of our sinful nature and demonic that it resembles demons more than man. See, when, when he talks about this false wisdom, this, these are all tremendous, big, red flags in the air. Don't be this person. Don't allow yourself to be this person because it is terrible. It is dangerous. See, this false wisdom, it's demonic. It resembles more of demons than men. And in verse 16, he issues an incredibly powerful statement. Here's what he says. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. Now, I want you to think about something for a minute. Think about Washington, D.C. I'm not talking about one person. Think about the government. Not only Washington, D.C., but the recent decision made by the New York legislature. False wisdom, and false wisdom leads to every vile practice. Why? Because it's all about me and what I think is best. It's advancing my own interests, my own agenda, nothing to do with God. Think about the celebrities, the media, how much chaos and disaster is abounding. You know, we talk about it. The world's always been, other than in the beginning, <laughs> A place of sin. People have raised their fist at God and turned against him, which results in what? Disaster, chaos, war. But now with the media today, we learn about it like this. Sometimes it's not even true, right? Right? Sometimes it's not even true. But think about how much Chaos, evil, and disaster is abounding. And why? Because most of these people are not truly wise. 
Their wisdom is earthly, it's unspiritual, and it's demonic. It's false wisdom, it's foolishness. And it's better to meet a mama bear protecting her cubs than to run into a fool. They're so focused on succeeding in their own ways, their own definition of success, viewing it in earthly terms. I have a pastor friend of mine who put something on Facebook the other day, and he said this. If you succeed in something, I think I have it up there, John, right? If you succeed at something with no eternal value, did you really succeed? Now, some of you are, you're big thinkers, and your wheels are spinning, right? Your wheels are spinning. If you succeed at something with no eternal value, did you truly succeed? What are you spending your life doing? Or is it, is it been given to God? And I don't mean you have to be a pastor or a missionary. Have you committed your life at work to God? God, use me that I can be a witness to other people. You know, we spend so much time on things that have no eternal significance. There was a study done by a group called Media Picks. I know nothing about them, not trying to endorse them this morning, but they had a study from Bloomberg and Business Insider and... The New York Times and other, other organizations that figured out how much time people spend on social media in an average lifetime now. Five years. Five years of your life you'll spend on social media. Now, some of you, you're thinking, I don't have social media, so <laughs> do you know how much time people spend watching TV? Seven years of your life watching TV, and a couple months that. Seven years. If you succeed at something that has no eternal value, did you really succeed? What are your priorities? The person with false wisdom is focused on earthly success. How big can I build my bank account? How nice of a car can I drive so that everybody can look at me? What can I do to impress other people? And it happens in the church. Even amongst churches. Who try and steal people away from each other. So their church can be bigger. Their congregation can be larger. False wisdom. Our problem, one of our problems, is that our earthly definition is success. The person with false wisdom views success on earthly terms. But, but then James goes and talks about the person with true wisdom. And the contrast is, is astonishing. Again, polar opposites, completely different. The person that has false wisdom is all about me. Now, the person that has true wisdom, let's look at verse 17, says this, but the wisdom from above is first pure. It's peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits impartial, and sincere. When you look at that list, you consider yourself to have true wisdom. And I, and I believe there are some in this room that truly do. I've seen it in your lives. I've seen it in the way that you listen genuinely to hear other people. I've seen it in, in, in the gentleness that you've shown in your life by the fruit that God is producing through you. People that are full of mercy. See, the false wisdom person has no mercy. It's all about me. But 
Luther used to tell a story of two goats that would meet on a bridge. And this bridge was only big enough for one goat to cross. And as the goats are looking at each other, speaking goat, the one lays down and lets the other walk over it to get across. And Luther would say, it's okay to lay down your body, to be a merciful person, to, to allow people to, uh, you know, to, to listen, to, to be open, and talks about the true wisdom, but he says, it's not okay to sacrifice your conscience. See, the truly wise person isn't sacrificing their conscience, but they're saying, you know what? I want to listen to you. You've made mistakes? <laughs> So if I, I'm going to be merciful. You're angry at me? That's not going to get us anywhere. I'm going to approach this in peace. The one thing that caught my mind at the very end of verse 17 is the word sincere. The truly wise person is sincere. Isn't that what the world's looking for today? Sincerity. I mean, no matter what you think of, of the president that we have, the majority of people that voted for him voted for him because they felt like who you saw up on the podium was who he was. The world's looking for sincerity. The question that we find ourselves asking at the end of this is, how do I get from false wisdom to truism? And maybe you're saying, you know, Pastor Tony, I, I know, I, I am just not a wise person. How do I get from one place to the other? And here's the answer. Here's the answer, is that it's only through the power of Christ. You know, we, we look up around us and we see an e a world where evil is abounding. God still sits on the throne, but evil is abounding. And we talk about the false wisdom that exists in, in government and the false wisdom that exists in the media and the celebrities and so on and so on and so on. And, and, and we, we say, you know, what happened in New York is atrocious. And you post a, a Facebook post about it. You send a forward, a bulk email about it to a whole bunch of people that already agree with you. But what happens two weeks later? Three weeks later? We stop talking about it. We do need to speak up about these things. You know, we say, you know, Pastor Tony, we need to speak up about the true definition of marriage. And yes, we do. But, you know, complaining to each other when we're alone does nothing. Oftentimes, posting social media statuses to a bunch of people, again, that already agree with you, because in today's day and age, you just don't follow people that disagree with you does very little. Sending a bulk email to a whole bunch of people that you know approve of everything that you're saying does very little. What is actually going to change people? Jesus changes people. The gospel changes people. That's what this world needs. They need the testaments handed in people's hands for people to realize I'm a sinner because only Jesus can heal this world. See, that's, true wisdom gets that. 
I asked Miranda to sing a song, and I better say it now or I'm going to keep preaching. So come on up, Miranda, if you don't mind. Only Jesus can heal this hurting world. See, as, as we go about our day, our lives, we have to realize that, believe it, and live it. This world will not get better on its own. More problems each day, and we're losing sight of home. We need to admit we can't fix what's going wrong, but there's someone who can do what we've needed all along. Jesus can heal this hurting world. Only Jesus can heal this hurting world. No one can love like he does. Heart by heart and one by one. Only Jesus can heal.
James says, James says that you need to ask God for wisdom. Ask him. Ask him. As we look around at all the false wisdom that abounds in this world, we need to remember, Tony can't fix it. Steve can't fix it. Sorry, Steve. Steve does have a great beard, though, doesn't he? (laughs) Only Jesus can fix it. And yes, he uses us. Yes, he uses us. But people need to understand they're lost. They need to understand they're in need of a Savior before many of these other things even begin to make sense. My prayer is that as you leave today, you say, Lord, give me the true wisdom. Help me to surrender to the Spirit on a daily basis. Help me to seek after you every day of my life. Because true wisdom only comes from God. Would you pray with me? God, we're so thankful for the chance that we have to gather together, to open your word. But you know, Lord, the only thing that changes people's lives is the gospel. Lord, if we had to verbally stand up right now and give an account for how many people we told about Christ this week or last week or the last month or the last year, many would hang their heads. Lord, we need courage. Courage to be brave in a world that has raised its fist towards you. Lord, we need wisdom. That when the fists are raised, we can respond in love. Being gentle. Lord, we need wisdom that we can live sincere lives. That who we are on Sunday morning is the same person we are Monday morning and Friday night and Wednesday night and Tuesday morning. Lord, that we are the same person every day. And the only way that happens is by your power. Lord, work in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me as we sing this last song together? You know, one of the coolest things about thinking about the Christian life is that you don't do it alone. If you look at the person on your right and the person on your left, we're part of a family. We take care of each other. We love each other because of Christ. So we're going to sing family of God one more time because I think that's very important in true wisdom. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. And I'm so glad I'm a part of the family.
You know, the church church I grew up in, the pastor made everybody hold hands. Now, I'm not going to make you hold hands with the person next to you, right? Right? But if you want to put your arm around somebody as we sing this next part, that'd be pretty cool. There you go. All right. Let's go to the verse. You will notice we say brother and sister around here. It's because we're a family and these folks are so near. When one has a heartache, we all share the tears and rejoice in each victory. This family, let's sing it out. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. Washed in the fountain and cleansed the body his blood and join heirs with Jesus as we travel this side for I'm part of the family the family of God may the Lord bless you this week and may he give you the courage to tell somebody else about the good news you are dismissed